this is Jean Abshire with the International Power Hour. I am here today with my colleague and co-host, Cliff Staten, as well as our guest today, Dr. Charles Puzer, professor of French here at IU Southeast. Um, today we are going to be talking about um, some dramatic events in <laughs> French uh, society and politics, so we're happy to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you. So, um, if people have been like watching <laughs> the, the the world of, of French politics, we know that there has been um, for a couple months now um, some protests that we've seen in the in the U.S. press reported as the Yellow Vest protests. Um, my bad French is gilet jaune. 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 I knew he could fix that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My two years of French won't help here. <laughs> yeah, we'll just let we'll let you do the we'll let you do the fancy stuff. <laughs> so, um, what it, what's been going on with this? What what um, there have been protests? Protests in French politics, French society are not at all uncommon. I mean, this is a super socially active and protest oriented society in general. So, is this just? same stuff different day or is this looking a little bit different and and the background of what's just basically what's going on yeah no no it's decidedly uh, different even though you're right uh, the French are protest bound people and I, th I thought I'd take a few minutes just to talk about that that history yeah of that would be great yes yeah. a little bit um of course the whole period of the French Revolution was protest, protest, protest. So you know, they, they got off to a good start <laughs> as um, as protesters. Hundreds of years of now protest history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and French history has been it's so very interesting and different. For instance, there have been five republics. There have been seven different constitutions. A lot of different protests. There's been a, there was a restoration period. There have been two empire periods during the 19th century. So all of those, <clears throat> or many of them, were um, <clears throat> were led or put in place by protests of different kinds. Um, one big protest in, in, in French history was the, the the arrival of the Commune, which was almost and it was, was an attempt to establish a new government. Actually, in France, a totally different government, government of the people, supposedly a very popular government. But it was suppressed. But it really began as a protest against um, the the French. Uh, what what the Parisians saw and Pre Paris has been a kind of a hotbed for protest. What Parisians saw as a as a rec as a um, capitulation after the uh, Franco-Prussian War. But there have been other kinds of protests as well. The French, and uh, one reason I guess, and this probably should be true of all European countries, all of them, or most of them anyway, is that since it's such a federalized system. It's from it's such a nationalized system that U everything unitary. It's a unitary system. Yeah, strong strong central government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That all domains are subject to to nationwide protests. For instance, education here. It's a, here. It's pff, do we have many protests about it? Yeah. About education? It's I don't left know, up but in primarily France, to the states and local exactly. governments yeah. here. But in France, it's a it's a huge. Any time that, that um, government tries to do anything or change the educational system, there's a, there are huge protests. One protest that's very interesting was the spelling reform protest. <laughs> Let's bring that okay. up. Because it, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 1990, there were reforms that were put forward, and actually the Académie Française, which is kind of the, the, harbin the uh, arbiter 
the grand arbiter of, of things concerning language, accepted these protests, but uh, accepted, I'm sorry, these reforms, spelling reform, they were very simple reforms, like getting rid of certain accents and things like that. And so it would, and this has to go through the government. This, these are governmental. The Germans actually <laughs> went through a little bit of a similar thing some years ago. Yeah. So you're talking about accents actually on the spelling on the, of the words. Yeah, I think they were like okay. circumflexes, for instance, right. are pretty, right. pretty useless these days, but <laughs> in my opinion. But anyway, um, but they had to back off because of, of um, um, protests, wow. particularly in, in the 1990s, and so they put them on the back burner for a while. I think in 1995. Were these the were these protests nationwide? Yeah, and really? people okay. in the streets going, "Keep our accent yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know how many. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't certainly not to the degree of the gilets jaunes today, but anyway. That's but finally, they uh, in 2004 they reintroduced them. Okay, and. Uh, it, it, things looked like they were going well, but then there were protests and there were criticisms. And this kind of like, don't touch my language. My language is a part of, our, is an intimate part, part of, of our, our culture and, and culture identity. and who we are. It's an identity issue, yeah. Right. So they were going to enact these spelling changes and eventually what they ended up doing because of the protests was they backed off and now they're, they are um, <clears throat> possible but not mandatory. Optional. So they're optional <laughs> spelling changes. <laughs> but the, the biggest, the biggest time, the, the biggest time of protest before the present protest, and it actually was a longer period of time as well, was right before the Second World War, and those were very consequential um, protests during that time. From night, from 1932 to 1939, there were 19, 19 different governments. That's a lot, yeah. In France, yeah, it was. And so Huge there was instability. so much instability yeah. that the rightist groups, <clears throat> I think, uh, took advantage of it. And they, they had a huge protest where they stormed the Assembly Nationale. They had to be protected. There were people that were killed. There were, you know, and, uh, and, and forces. Perhaps we should address why the instability may be to do with the number of parties and parliamentary system. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. The parliamentary system was, was the, is the main reason. And that's the reason that de Gaulle walked away from the Fourth Republic because it did not allow the president to have enough power to, uh, presidential power, basically. It was a parliamentary system again, and he thought, well, this was ridiculous. We just went through that. Right. So huge changes. A parliamentary system, just in case our listeners are, are, are unaware, is a system by which there's no real separation of powers like we have um, in, in our government, where the, the legislative branch, our Congress, and the executive branch, our president, are elected completely independently of one another. Instead, in a parliamentary system, there's fused power between the legislative and executive branches. They're one and the same. They are sense. essentially the same, yeah. The, yeah. The, the executive, the prime minister, is chosen from and by the legislative branch. And so um, once the prime minister is in place, um, often if there's a lot of parties with a coalition, meaning that several um, smaller parties are governing together, they can really pass laws super easily um, because, again, the legislature becomes essentially just a rubber stamp. Um, but... but also, if, uh, what, did they not have proportional representation at right, that time with, as well? With a lot of political parties, yeah. you end up needing co these coalition governments, parties yeah. to, to band together, and that can create a lot of instability if, it's, if, if, they're, um, if the coalitions are big, um, because there are a lot of parties, and um, if, if somebody chooses to defect, then the government fails, you have to put together a new coalition, which is how you get like 19 governments yeah, in well, a short time, order. The economy was uh, coming out of the, also, yeah. coming right. out of the depression, the 
the economy was, I think, the, the major issue, basically. So people can't, the government can't fix the economy, people become dissatisfied, mm-hmm. party defects, new coalition, maybe new elections, like, mm-hmm. that's how you end up, yeah, with 19, which is a huge number of different governments within mm-hmm. a short, yeah. short period of time. But anyway, these protests um, basically led to bringing down that government at that particular time, and but it fused together the leftist side of French policy, the, some French politics, the communists and socialists at that particular time allied themselves and were able to, because of the, the huge problems with the economy, were able to, to come into power for the first time since a, a long time, mm-hmm. in 1936. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were <clears throat> but trade unions and uh, it were, were holding their feet to the fire. So even though they came into power, there were strikes at that particular moment because strikes demanding that they do something immediately. Yeah. And these strikes were terribly debilitating for France right before World War II. These strikes were in sectors that were supremely important for... Key to national defense. Exactly. Exactly. Key, yeah. yes. Airplane, a- airline production, airplane production, car production, all kinds of things like yeah. this. I've been, been working with a student about, you know, why France was so ill-prepared. And it's obvious that these, Spikes. even though they had great concessions, because the Leon Blum, the Leon Blum um, government allowed for the first time mandatory vacations, 40-hour work weeks. They also lifted the, um, lifted the pay on the base pay, but this left France in a really horrible position to begin World War II, and of course we know how that panned out for the for the French. Right. So, but we have so we have a long history of, of very active protests, um, and after World War II, though we have seen in terms of the governments uh, generally more stability. The the Fifth Republic, the Fifth. Uh, as we call it, essentially a, a whole new constitution um, was put into place in the late 50s. Well, actually, um, the constitution was was ratified in 1962. Of 62. But de Gaulle yeah, came thank into you. power in the 50s. Okay, right. Yes, thank right. you. Thank you. Terrible with dates. Save me. If I can get within a couple years, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, so since then, we haven't had such such instability. There have been much more normal. Um, um, predictable, in a sense, um, governance where you know you have elections and the winner. And we the, have a president as well. Uh, yeah, a presidential system where with a st- much stronger president, which mm-hmm. has it's made a, a huge presidential difference. Presidential parliamentary system. Yeah, we call it semi. Yeah, semi presidential. <laughs> um, but uh, but there has nevertheless been, as you said, with the spelling protests, continuous protests throughout. Um, I was. The, the farmers in France are always dramatic with their protests because they, of course, have access to rotting vegetables. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they can reliably get excited and, and dump dump trucks full of rotting vegetables on the roads in and out of Paris and practically paralyze the country. Um, so sure, seen that and their influence, stuff. you can see it in the EU Absolutely. policies and everything. This is a pretty powerful group. Um, you don't want to mess with. You do not. The French farmers are quite. <laughs> there was a, also a farmer who drove his a, 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 like a, a truck of some sort through a McDonald's as an anti-globalization <laughs> protest. He got a few years McDonald's in jail. McDonald's <laughs> been a target quite often of protests. Yes. <laughs> so, so we have this history, um, but we also see um, in recent years, and I think um, that's also sort of relevant background and context for um, the recent protests is. 
a, a general rise in dissatisfaction um, of the people. And I think we can see that in a, in a variety of European countries, and it's manifested in their elections. France, in this Fifth Republic since um, 1962, uh, has had uh, still a variety of political parties, but there have been two party groups um, that have really dominated. Initially, the Gaullists, mm-hmm. which um, a political par- a, a political parties um, that, that carried forth the legacy yeah, the of... the first three presidents were basically Gaullists. Yes. Um, and then in the 1980s, we see the, the socialists come into power. And since then, they've, they've, we've kind of gone back and forth in terms of party control between um, the socialists and, and the, which are essentially center left, fairly mm-hmm. center left, and then the center right Gaullists. And then there's again a variety of other uh, political parties, smaller On ones around them. Yeah. Um, but, but in recent years, we've seen both the socialists and the Gaullists. Gaullist parties, the center right and center left, again, um, uh, really struggling and um, like much more dissatisfaction from voters. We saw, um, we've seen the the strengthening of the far right, the Front National, the National Front in English. The National Front, Front National, yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, they have mm-hmm. been the uh, <clears throat> the secondary candidate in the second round of elections for the for. A few times now, yeah, including the last election, which is which wasn't previously normal. I mean, that was really no, was shocking the first time it my, happened. My liberal friends and my liberal friend friends, it's been a, it was a shocking, yeah, a shocking rise. But that I think was kind of the first big sign that that things were kind of starting to to quake. Um, I guess I'll, I'll put it. Um, and then in the last election, um, just a couple of years ago, we saw actually um, just kind of the implosion of these two centrist parties. Um, they were wiped out in France in its presidential elections has two rounds of voting. Um, the first round has all the parties competing. Yeah, and generally, generally for in the first round, there are 10 candidates. Yeah, a lot. So a big field um, and then if if no candidate gets more than 50% of the vote there's a second election a second ballot it's called which is essentially a runoff, a runoff where the top yes. two, top two. Um, contenders continue on and the others fall out um, and in this last uh, most recent presidential election we saw neither the center left nor the center right um, make it past that first ballot and instead we saw the far right again the national front mm-hmm. um, um, under the leadership of Marine Le Pen, um, and then this new this new guy on the block, um, mm-hmm. uh, Emmanuel Macron, who is now president, um, <laughs> who didn't even have a party. He had a quote unquote movement called En Marche, yeah. which is like uh, on on the on the move, right? That's what yeah. En Marche. But, but Macron came from a came from a socialist background. Yeah. So he yeah. he was a he was a, um, a secretary and during the socialist government beforehand. He was the secretary of the economy. Right. So he has some political background. But but he was not the Socialist Party candidate. No, he was yeah. not. Uh-uh. No, no, no. He established his own. Yeah, he left the yeah, he left the Socialist Party to establish his own en marche movement. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the, the initials are E M, which are his initials. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> so <laughs> that you see an I don't know. I wonder if you wonder if it's coincidence. Oh, I doubt that's that's a complete coincidence. <laughs> Seems like handy to me. Yeah. But he's really interesting because he he, he was able to <clears throat> be hugely popular 
young, very energetic. I guess that's part of very the package. Very young. Well. He's 41 in his 41, yeah. But then he was yeah, uh, late thir- uh, 30s. Yeah, exactly. Like, very yeah. charismatic. Mm-hmm. Attractive. Yeah, and I know exactly, exactly. And his, you know, his, his, his uh, wife as well was an attractive and outgoing person. It's, but it's interesting how he was able to coalesce um, a lot of centrist left, but with also some centrist right. And... Uh, and he's very much uh, seen by people on the center right as a very pro-business kind of person. He's he's mm-hmm. tried to take on that mantle, but hold on to as well his uh, his uh, center left uh, coalition. Yeah, his roots. Yeah. His, his roots. His center left roots. So yeah. th- that um, pro-business element is something that we want to come back to. I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like we are about due for a break. Um, and I feel like this might be a good time to take it because I think we're going to want to dive more deeply into into some of his policy positions and things he's done that have have sparked a response from the population and have left people yeah, um, dissatisfied. So um, the International Power Hour will be right back. is brought to you by the International Studies Department at IU Southeast, where you can prepare for your global future. More information online at ius.edu slash international studies. The International Power Hour is brought to you by the Political Science Program at IU Southeast. Are you interested in how power is exercised by the people? Political science might be the major for you. Whether it's the political science or public administration track, you will get the skills to make you ready for a powerful career. To find out how to do this, go to www.ius.edu slash political science. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play and learn is amazing. But not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the US are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up... I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the International Power Hour. This is Jean Abshire. I'm here with my co-host, Cliff Staten, as well as our guest today, Dr. Charles Puzer, professor of French at IU Southeast. He is with us today to um, talk about the recent protest activity that's been going on in France. Um, we've talked a lot of background and context. Now we're really ready to hit uh, where the rubber meets the road on these protests. Um, President Macron came in um, facing a lot of economic 
uh, stagnation in France. Um, yes, uh-huh. Relatively high unemployment rate, um, relatively low growth, lower than they would like anyway. Um, and uh, he yes. came in. His predecessor had, had very, very strong <coughs> opposition. Yes. Very low numbers and. and and uh, polling as well, and, and very, yeah, and, very, and, very, and, very and like many Western democracies, they were facing a rising, for lack of better words, gap between the rich and the poor. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, which I, we'll talk about later on. I think is kind of underlying and fueling much of this, at least in yeah. my perspective. But yes, but it wasn't. It was happening in the United States. All Western yeah. democracies were, were facing this. Yeah, and, and, I mean, broader global forces. That's I mean, right. we have jobs sure. lost through automation and mechanization, robotics and such. I mean, that's sure. it's the same sort of global forces hitting, hitting all absolutely. these economies. But you're and absolutely yeah. important. Including the United States. Including the U.S. But an important in, point not, not to be missed yeah. as well as the social, the social safety net is much stronger in France. So. Yes. 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 And that's so there's, right. a, there's better distribution of resources than certainly in other countries that don't have that kind of social including like the, the US. States. <laughs> I didn't want to say that but anyway we're honest we're honest uh, you know I mean it, it's reality right um, so so Macron came in promising um, reform and um, you know to create wealth he enacted a, a series of of policies, um, and he claimed that the policies uh, would be, um, if we created wealth, I think I think it was that he argued, then that could be shared with those most in need. Um, and so he argued that the economy should be liberalized, which um, in political science terms for our listeners doesn't mean what liberal means in American yeah, political exactly. context. Liberalized <laughs> means basically the government backing off uh, economic sense, controls. deregulation. Deregulation, exactly. Um, and al- but also protected um, with especially social protection. Charlie, you mentioned the, the social safety net, um, social protection for workers who um, had, had you know, who had not been doing well um, in, in recent uh, economic climates. Um, and so he, Macron has pushed through some significant reforms. He took on, you mentioned earlier, um, the importance and power of the labor unions. Um, he took on uh, some of those and ended uh, special benefits for um, railway workers and made it easier for companies to hire and fire, which are reforms that a lot that prior presidents had maybe looked at but kind of hadn't been willing to bite well, off. He was also that dealing with fight. huge protests. From yes, the, <laughs> yes, from, from the railways and things like that as well. So he yeah. had, he had to act. There was because it was it was beginning to really be a pain for the citizens of France to get around. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, he also ended up um, cutting wealth tax on assets aside from property, which for really wealthy people in France, millionaires and and anybody above, uh, was a seventy percent tax cut. Yeah. Which and is, his, his argument was that this was we need more investment. And mm-hmm. This is where investment is going to come from. Familiar, familiar argument. Trickle down <laughs> economics, a la Francais. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that, that wealth tax is, tax is interesting because it had sometimes been in place. It had been taken out of place. I think um, Chirac took it out. It came back in during the socialist period, and then he um, decided to replace it with his other rather than to eliminate it completely. And on 2017, right after he came into power. So what were um, wh- so so what has happened? How has um, wh- what has led to these most recent yellow vest protests? 
Okay. I mean, some of, some of it, I think, is uh, the fact that uh, people are are uh, unhappy with 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 these changes, right? I mean, we, we Cliff mentioned earlier the the division between uh, the greater wealth disparity, and then we have yes. wealth tax being lifted so significantly on mm -hmm. on the wealthy. So, well, I think it also <clears throat> you can clearly see where Macron's trying trying to keep that coalition of both some some leftist policies some right-wing policies yes, uh -huh. and then that's a that's tough to do it really is to, yes, it to is. be the center here and uh, at least my understanding that this Charlie you can address this did the green tax kind of was the thing that kind of touched all this off what was well, that I think about that's, yeah that's what, yeah. What, you, what you really need to look at I think at least from what I've, I've read and understood about the the, the uh, gilets jaunes is that it started uh, among a group of people and now has been <coughs> taken over by huger groups. And those huger groups, for instance, trade unions, CJT particularly, which is a very leftist trade union, has become a part of this. But also, Marie Le Pen has embraced right. <laughs> has embraced this, this yeah. movement. And so it's made it a very disparate movement now. But it started out basically supposedly as a as a reaction to um gas taxes yeah being raised. yeah let's let's both, get into that both on uh, regular gas and, all, and also on and this was <clears throat> primarily and at least initially kind of out in the i don't know what they call it in france not in paris out in the provinces, provinces okay <laughs> well theoretically it's everywhere but it hit the provinces the hardest okay particularly places that were particularly isolated like cherbourg because they instance. have to drive more right in paris exactly, exactly. i mean if you if you live if in you, big cities you don't need a car you don't need a car and i think that was not thought through very well right and first and, and also macron initially didn't make it clear that this was actually an ecological tax. Mm -hmm. It wasn't particularly clear. He came back and said, well, this is something that we need to do in order to develop, you know, in order to reduce our, our, um, our, our ecological toll. Carbon footprint and all that. Uh, yeah, yes. exactly. Right. But it was viewed, but, and that's basically where the, uh, the Gilets Jaunes movement started, at least from what I understand. Yeah. It started out in small communities. It was not the farmers so much as although you might have thought they were but it was people who are in lower middle class artisans people who had to travel a lot right okay and i found three different three different individuals that have been cited as motivating this but all of them were addressing in one way or another the gas tax. Well, and that's what the yellow vest refers to, right? It is the, it, oh, so it's a perfect choice yes. because every car, every car owner is required to have at least one gilet jaune for protection. For instance, yellow if vest. you have a flat tire or something, you're supposed to wear it. And they're supposed to have more than that, actually. So you have to keep this in your trunk, is that right? So everybody has them, really? particularly everybody who drives. Right. So that's why it was a really powerful, I think, symbol. Try getting to, that one by in the United States. <laughs> But when you think about how easy it is to be killed if your car breaks down oh, at the I side know, of the road, a yellow, at night, a yellow yeah, vest yeah. seems like a good idea. Yeah. I'm a I'm nerd. Sorry. I have one for when I walk at night, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> no, exactly. So the Gilets Jaunes movement started out, and actually today there, there are much fewer protesters in Paris than there are in bigger cities and in smaller places as well. Which is and unusual they, for France. Oh, I mean, because yeah, again, yeah, is. Yeah, Paris exactly, is usually yeah, the center. Exactly. But there are a lot of things that are unusual about this, the Gilets Jaunes movement. But what, the, what the, a lot of them did, would they would take roundabouts and they would block them. 
a roundabout. Okay. Yeah, so all so over the country, roundabouts are big. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they were they were um, blocking them, and of course people would blow their horns. And, sure. And you see that if you look at some of the videos, some of the video footage that has been done, you see that quite a bit. And um, <clears throat> moving into Paris was a big move for them and in larger cities as well but it really is a it really is a rural movement but not so much a f- agricultural movement as it is a small community movement at least from the beginning but now of course it has as i mentioned it has been taken over by both the yeah. left and extreme left not just trade unions certain trade unions but extreme and also the right and the extreme right and I, ju- I was reading. So I these groups have tried to co-opt the movement, and they have, sense. yeah, that's, that's or they it. have co-opted. It. Yeah, and okay. Uh, well, yeah, okay. they have. Um, I mean, the movement claims to be apolitical, right? That I mean, and and I mean, it, with that range <laughs> of of actors, you can see that there's how they could claim that. Yet, yeah, no, I mean, every, every the motivations is political. I mean, yeah. the gas tax, everything. Yeah. That has motivated them as being political. Now, what um, Macron recently did, I'm not quite exactly sure how recently, but fairly recently, he did a on Donald Trump. He sidestepped parliamentary procedure and and pushed through um, <clears throat> mandates, mm-hmm. which he can do according to uh, in, the, in the in the French system as well. And these the French man- president has a vast amount. Oh yes, of power. Yes, oh yes, he does. He really uh, incredible. Complete control of the armies and everything. Yeah, he, yes, yeah, he does. And the ability to issue decrees that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, without. I mean, there's no checks and balances. In and the sense he that can we have dissolve. Them. Assemblée Nationale, if he chooses. I mean, the Parliament, the legislature. They've been very consistent with the elections being held at the same time, at the you know in the same space mm-hmm. of time. But he can do that if he chooses yeah. to. But these 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 um, <clears throat> mandates that he enacted were geared to help business, right? Make it easier for business to hire and fire. And it's, it's you may wonder well, why can't people fire people? But there there's a whole system that you have. There's a whole procedure that you have to go through when you fire someone. You have to justify lots of regulations, exactly worker procedures and worker protections yeah. as though. Yeah. And he's tried to make those those um, less burdensome for um, for businesses. And of course, from the perspective of a labor union like the CGT. Is very active anyway. This is was a a huge, huge um, blow to them because job security, of course, is what they're principally about. Right. So initially, this movement was largely what I guess we would call lower middle class, working class. Yes. Uh-huh. Those yeah. folks that artisans, also some retirees. Okay. As well, those folks that maybe make too much money for the. Uh, what Americans would call the welfare Social system. Social safety net, yeah. And not enough money to live comfortably, maybe? Exactly. Well, they, yeah, that is, that is what they are actually saying, is that we're, yeah. not, we're, not, we're no longer able to make in, ends meet, at least as, as we We're losing our, our ability to make ends yeah, but from meet. Which American, is a familiar... But, yeah, but from yes. an American perspective, you think, oh, my God, they've got health care, they've got... That's yeah. correct. All kinds yes. of things, you know, that, that help them along. But anyway. But so. part of it's what you're used to. <laughs> also, it's relative. Yeah, exactly. It's relative. Exactly. Everything's relative. Yeah. It is. Exactly. But I think a lot of groups, for instance, the, the right 
has co-opted the movement because they want to be a thorn in the side of Macron. You know, and so you have people you have people uh, that are gilets jaunes supposedly who are anti-immigrant. Yes. You have people on the far left, the, the trade unions who are the exact opposite. You've got people espousing all kinds of different positions because when the gilets jaunes movement began, it did not have a it did not have a political center. Right. They did not have an ideology. And that and the movement has suffered because of that, I think. So that that suffered uh, and also made it vulnerable to being co-opted by other exactly, well that's groups. what right. I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. The, the your your voice is becoming Yeah. Diluted. If you stand for nothing clear you can stand for everything. <laughs> or and those who will come and shout. So actually this um, this far right element um, within this movement. Um, there have been some interesting dynamics uh, with that that I, I just thought I would mention because there was kind of, uh, I would say to me, a shocking development last week that d I think did not get a ton of attention. Um, France withdrew its ambassador from Italy. Oh, yes. Which um, has not... I mean that is a, that is actually a huge, a huge diplomatic step. Um, that is that is a almost unheard of uh, in the EU. Yes, yeah. exactly. The last time um, something like this happened was 1940 when Mussolini, Italy's <laughs> Mussolini, declared war. I mean this this is really a, a, a very strong move, and there have been mounting tensions um, between Italy and, and France slash Macron, and and what a big element of that is is that Italy, um, for the last um, not quite a year, has been governed by a far right anti immigrant coalition, um, and initially uh, when they came in they were sort of. Uh, they tried to get a little bit friendly with, with Macron, and that didn't go well. And so since then, they have been poking at him, um, poke, 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 poke. Um, but the last, I mean, quite a few just f flat out insults, but the last thing that seems to have um, broken the the back. relationship, back. the back, exactly, um, is that Italy's, uh, last week, Italy's uh, Deputy Prime Minister Luigi Di Maio uh, met with one of the yellow vest protest leaders in France. And that, I mean, and that would be from that, that you know, the anti-immigrant branch. Like that, that's a pretty shocking move. he's actually move. met with several. Yeah. He's met with several candidates, uh, people that have been proposed for a per, very much first European parliament. diplomatic protocol. It does, it oh, yeah. does, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that elevates the... It elevates that far right branch of the, and legitimizes that far right branch of the, of the Yellow Vest movement to have you know, the deputy prime minister of Italy meet with them. I mean that's a, that's a significant symbolic act. But from what I've heard from him, though, he's really, been he's he's been very um, exuberant in his praise of this movement as a movement from the people. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's he's, <clears throat> been too strong about politicizing it or putting it on a, on a on a political pole but yeah and that was a problem for uh macron a definite problem because um he's been trying to diffuse right well let me let me ask you about these protests have are most of them peaceful or is there violence in these protests oh yes there is um initially i think 
their war is peaceful. And the, mm-hmm. it, it, we have every reason to believe that those, the people who began the movement, those people, have been have wanted it to be peaceful. Yes. But now that it's been co-opted by other groups, particularly groups that are very yeah. much intent on anarchical groups. I mean, right. they're very much intent in, in fomenting a- anarchy. They have become violent. And how did yeah. the Macron government respond to the violence? Well, um... I mean, are some of the leaders in jail? I mean, I... Well, actually, he he enacted, or it just was enacted, actually, just last week, legislation that allows... Now, this is not judicial people. This is administrative people. Mm -hmm. Right. In in what are called the... um, Oh, I can't remember the name. But anyway, their ministry, local ministry people were representative of the national government to identify people who have, who are, they have reason to believe. Are advocating violence. Will advocate violence, even Mm -hmm. if they have not been convicted of violence. Mm. And these folks can be detained, is that correct? No, they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to protest. Okay. Uh, okay. Now there are people being arrested, but they're being arrested because of what they do. Right. right. These people are not allowed to show protest. up at the protests. Interesting. Interesting. And there are huge outcries, even from Macron's own party. There's yeah. a small unit of people who think that this really jeopardizes <laughs> freedom of speech. <laughs> freedom, right. Exactly. Yeah. And what they're all, what some people have also been afraid of. Think what think how this might be abused if a if a if a, yeah. a righteous sure. government came to power or something like that. Yeah. Of course, from their perspective. But yeah, so it's um, yeah. it's an interesting thing, particularly since it's not judiciary that's determining who sh- who sh- who would be potentially guilty. Right. But it's administrative people at the local level that have been appointed by the government, the federal government. So. Yeah. There was um uh, recently. I mean, the the police have responded. Well, so I mean, when you have violent protests. And again, I, I would like to underscore that this did start out nonviolently and part of the issue with, um, you know, having uh, having people join, join in, different groups join in, is that it doesn't take too many uh, violent actors to, to really send things sideways and right. create no, a lot of exactly. violence. It's, no, it it's a very small number of, of quote-unquote bad apples to spoil that batch. Exactly. Um, but the police have responded in, in, in instances of violence with... Uh, you know, tear gas, and they have these um, rubber, bullets. rubber bullets that that actually they're they're I think they have a as I understand it, the French are using um, a, a riot control munition that isn't typically used other places in Europe that are sort of like it's double only place yes that are like dual rubber bullet and tear gas dispenser thing. Well, actually, they're thing. they're they're supposedly. I mean, the the rubber bullet thing is one thing, but. These supposedly are canisters that yeah. are tear gas, smoke, and very loud noises. Yeah. And so, but when they explode, they've been doing really. They've been doing when they when they you know open up. Right. Yeah. It's with a, a quite quite a bit of pressure. So there yeah. have been four or five people who have lost the use of a hand. Yeah. Because they were too close or they were trying to pick it up pick to it move up to it. Throw right. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are, I think, I wrote in it, 17 people who have lost sight in an eye because of this. Yeah. Supposedly because of canisters. There may be other things as well. Yeah. But yeah. Rubber bullets can do a considerable mm-hmm. amount of damage. Now, most of the, where, where the, where it has turned violent, is this largely taking place in Paris or. The bigger cities, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mostly been in the cities. Yeah. Okay. Been, yeah. mm-hmm. 
It okay. hasn't been the, 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 to my knowledge, anyway. It's been in cities, not all, not all in Paris, but in uh, cities. Okay. And they are reviewing the 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 Assemblée Nationale is reviewing the, the use legislature. of these. Yeah. Yeah. Reviewing the use of these um these these riot control mechanisms. Okay. Excellent. Um, I'm looking at the clock, and I think we are due for another break. So the International Power Hour will be right back. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The International Power Hour is brought to you by the Department of Political Science at IU Southeast, studying power in all its forms and places, offering multiple tracks in political science and public administration. More information online at ius.edu slash political science. Welcome back to the International Power Hour. This is Jean Abshire. I'm here with my co-host Cliff Staten, as well as our guest, Dr. Charles Puzer, professor of French here at IU Southeast, who is helping us unpack the recent protest movements that have, or the recent protest actions that have been taking place in France in recent months. Um, Charlie, when we when we went to the break, uh, we uh, you we were just talking about um, some administrative actions that the government uh, took to crack down on. Uh, on protesters who might engage in violence. What other uh, responses has the Macron government taken? Well, one thing that I find really interesting is there's, you, if you're a gilet jaune protester, you can be fined for wearing a helmet, a mask, or a scarf that covers part of your face. I think Which you day. might want to do if you have tear gas being fired in your direction. That's right, sure. Right, know, That's yeah, what I would do <laughs> if I had tear gas fired in my direction. <laughs> so they I can be fined 15,000 euros. That's a huge amount oh, wow. of money. Or given a prison sentence for covering their face. 
Wow. wow. That's interesting. <laughs> 15,000 euros is like, what, $20,000-ish? Mm, about, yes, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, that's about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great deal of money for covering your face when you've got tear gas coming your way. That's a tough set of choices. Has there been any attempt at uh, national dialogue on these? Oh, for, for sure. And I, I might add as well that Macron is trying to hold on to these pro-business measures, even though he's getting a lot of resistance, particularly from the, the labor union part of the Gilets jaunes movement now. But yes, he's, he's, uh, Macron decided, and I think to his merit, that this was a time to go out into hinterland areas. I mean, he's getting into communities that have 300 you know, a thousand inhabitants. Wow. And he's doing town hall meetings, and these town hall meetings are marathons. Where they last at least six hours, but most of them are lasting 10 to 12 hours. And people are coming coming away from them extremely impressed by his his ability to handle that because he talked and he has he has a, a steel trap of a brain so whatever anybody brings up he immediately knows statistics he knows all kinds but of but you know so. the effect of that people get to actually participate yeah, yeah. No, no, and no, and for I unfortunately mean, a 10 or 12 I'm, hour you know listening tour i mean that's intense that is. you yes. can listen to a lot of cranky people <laughs> in that time I mean, that's amazing. And really, sometimes at the end of the day, like, people just want to be heard. Yeah. Yes. Right? I mean, that's that sense of just being heard can no, be really powerful. No, it is. I think it's a positive engagement, and it yeah. actually has helped his numbers. His numbers are, are improving. Because they weren't good before. Particularly among um, among the center-right mm. people. But, mm. he, yeah, he, he is, they are improving. What has been observed, though, is a lot of people who are attending these are politicians, mm. older people. Mm. They're not young people. Not so many young people who are, of course, energizing an energizing aspect of the Gilets Jaunes movement. And a lot of Gilets Jaunes people have just simply dismissed these as, you know, window. Ploys. <clears throat> as, as, as window decoration or whatever. But if I might, I want to re- I'd, I'd love to read. I think this, it just won't take but a sec. This was from, this, this is um, <clears throat> The Guardian reported on this. Uh, the Guardian's a UK newspaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So they translate it into English. But then he was in, in Cherbourg, and Cherbourg has been, as I mentioned, a center point because Cherbourg is a larger city, but isolated, fairly one of the, the major isolated cities, if you will, in France, at least transportation-wise. And mm-hmm. so, of course, all the initial stuff about gas, uh, gas taxes, everything was important. Uh, I'll read this very quickly. On a windswept night in the northern French port of Cherbourg, Brigitte, a health insurance worker, stood up at a town hall meeting that she hoped might change the future of France. I hear a lot of people criticizing the president's wife, Brigitte Macron, for wearing designer trainers, shoes, right, worth thousands of euros, she said. I understand she has to represent French designer brands. But let's look at other presidential costs. And I'm beginning to laugh because this is so funny. But why doesn't the president, Emmanuel Macron, entertain visiting heads of state more frugally? If he hosted state visits sitting on a bale of hay with a mug of cider, it would send a clear <laughs> message to the rest of France are reducing unnecessary costs. Now, if you can imagine the French who are so proud of their culinary traditions and their... <laughs> That's hard to anyway. get your head around. <laughs> <laughs> One pensioner shouted, and they could use paper plates. 
<laughs> not the new presidential dinner place that just spent 50,000 euros on. That's already sunk cost right there. <laughs> a retired teacher said the German Chancellor Angela Merkel went home at night and did her own shopping. Mm-hmm. Yet France had a 365-room presidential palace that cost more than 100 million euros a year to run. That's because in France we still have still have a type of king. Ah, uh, yes, the Macron <laughs> is king theme. I've heard that. That's yeah, not yeah. yeah. Well, Macron's background, all but it, it, it has not come out of has stayed in the mole of most. He is he comes from the what he is an enarch, which means he comes from the. Um, a grande école so <coughs> for a administration. Super, el- super elite, um, a specialized school for, I mean, like a graduate school for it's, national administrators. Yeah, it's, it's very it's competitive. To, yeah, mm-hmm. very competitive to get into. And um, it is, I mean, presidents <laughs> come out of the grande Kind of forms it the basis for the political class. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It is absolutely no, exactly. the basis of the political yeah. class. It is a pathway to power and But it's a huge it's a, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a hugely difficult. Yes. place to go through. And France has a although, egalitarian society, so theoretically anybody can attend these. And that but, was my although. Like it's it's a merit-based entrance. However, um the Nevertheless, somehow connections seem to matter. Let me put it that way. Like those, those in the political class seem to tend to do better on the entrance exams. Yeah. Well, you have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certainly that that the privilege that allows their uh, a family's uh, family's children to <coughs> to know more about it. But they have to they have to score extremely high on yes. the baccalaureate exam. They have to go through two or three years of preparatory courses. Yeah. Before they can take the exam which is a what's called a um <clears throat> which is a, a competitive exam there are only a certain number of slots so you can score right. really really highly but if you don't score in right. the top yeah. 20 you don't get in yeah so it's not an easy place even for <clears throat> the even for the the upper level classes yeah. but imagine the amount of support that you have to give to a, your son or daughter in order to get, get through, through that, that. To pass the exam. that's going to be an elite uh, sure. thing i mean exactly. yes. people with just modest incomes just can't can't afford it right, right. You just can't afford right. to do that so yeah so and that's part of the problem with uh, the gilets jaunes because they they have this image of macron as someone out of this elitist system who thinks he knows everything mm. basically and <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you're trained to think and out of the Ecole, is it not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they don't always think he's been a good listener. Mm-hmm. But I think now going and doing this kind of town hall stuff is allowing him at least to have an opportunity to show that he can listen, he can respond to what yeah. people have to say. That's fascinating. So um, what about the, the Gilets Jaunes folks? How do you, like, I mean, they're a movement now. They are obviously very disparate in their political beliefs. Um, do some of them have political aspirations? Yes. In fact, that's something I think that's going to be really interesting for the future of this movement. Now with such a disparate, different, different people with different political positions, the fact that some of those people are now coming out and establishing a political or trying to establish political careers is going is not going to allow them to stay without any kind of uh, without any kind of program. Right. Okay. And are most of these folks um, already members of established parties? No. In fact, they're establishing their own parties. Okay. Okay. And I, I found three examples. 
but what's so interesting about this is that one of them is um, one of the, well, two of them are women who have been very instrumental in the beginning of the movement. One has already set up, <coughs> has already established 10 candidates for the European Parliament. The parliamentary elections which are coming up in May. Right. And that's going to be a big deal in a lot of countries, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And but she so. has, she, start, she 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 has not she doesn't have I think but ten percent of the of the uh, signatures that she needs in order to be on the ballot, and she mm-hmm. has sixty five sixty nine more because <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a slate, right? Right. This is a <clears throat> this is a list, an election an electoral list that she has to compile, and she hasn't gotten there yet, so she's there off for for a. <clears throat> She has a lot more to be done to, be, to do there. Jacqueline Mouraud was another person, one of the people that was credited with starting the movement, and she has started a political party called Les Émergents, which was translated at least by the um, by um, the um, not the Guardian, one of the British newspapers, as the the Arisen, which I think is the interesting. Arisen. <laughs> the Arisen, okay. <laughs> the uh, religious one. But when she um, announced the establishment of this group, and the other person as well, and the other person as well, they are have received death threats from other elements of the Gilets Jaunes party. She wow. announced she could not. She announced the location, fifteen of this press conference, fifteen minutes before it occurred, because wow. of the death threats that she's getting from leftist and rightist groups that are also part of the Gilets Jaunes. So that's why I think this is really going to be significant because it's going to ferret out and say, okay, this is our political position as center Gilets Jaunes members. You guys are not with us anymore. Wow. So it's going to begin to define, I think, who is and who isn't on the same track. So you don't see this as splintering the group, though? Um, it's already it's already a group of it's already splintered. Uh, okay, the they're only together simply because they are they're all against Macron and against what he, his government. But their their reasons for being against them are the all over the map. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yes, exactly. yes, and it, and maybe just a quick a question here. Yeah. You know, if we look at um, the group in America that supports Trump, this. Lower middle class, working class, anti-establishment, drain the swamp type. Mm-hmm. And for a variety of reasons, okay, uh, economic, race, all kinds of things. Um, are there any similarities, you think? Or can, can oh, yes, there are huge similarities. One thing I haven't mentioned that we should have mentioned is that this movement is a viral movement. This movement is the first political movement in France that has been media-driven. Mm-hmm. And social media driven. Not social media, yes. Social media driven. And if it wasn't for social media, the, the first three people who came out with different things were all on Facebook, mm. basically. And they, were, they pre- produced, um, <clears throat> produced videos or presented their positions against the gas tax and things like that. This would not have gotten off the ground. So could, could Macron defuse this by maybe raising the minimum wage a little bit and trying to respond to some of their demands? Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. could. Uh-huh. Yeah, he could, and they're looking. They are looking to do that right now. They've, right. They proposed a, a slight increase in the SMIC, which is the minimum minimum wage. Minimum wage. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's trying to address it, but he's still got a bit of an uphill climb. It sounds like. Yeah, particularly with the leftist labor unions. 
dead set against him touching uh, job security. It's difficult operating in the center in politics today. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Um, it looks like the International Power Hour has uh, used up our time for today. Uh, Charlie, we would like to thank you so much. Yes, for thank you very oh, much, Charlie. It's been a Charlie. pleasure. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed being here. Love to have you back again sometime when we have more drama out of France. Mm-hmm. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Facebook. You can get past uh, episodes on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, on our website if, when it works again. <laughs> Apparently we have an issue, but we are apparently working on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can look for us there. Um, This is the International Power Hour on IU Southeast Horizon Radio.